September 18th. And now as we look into the New Testament, our readings today will be from the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verse 23. We'll go through uh, chapter 4, verse 31. We'll read about examination. In his uh, great uh, chapter-by-chapter Bible commentary, Warren Wiersbe says, It does us good to examine ourselves to make sure our spiritual experience is valid. Do you have the Spirit living within? If you began in the Spirit, which, by the way, is the only way to begin, are you trying to continue in the power of the flesh? The Judaizers wanted the Galatians to go back to Moses, but that was not far enough. We must go back to Abraham, where the promise started. The law did not annul the promise. No, the law was given to reveal sin and prepare the way for Christ to come and fulfill the promise. See, the law is a tutor, not a savior, a mirror, not a cleanser. And we'll read about exhortation. Beware, beware, a false gospel robs you of salvation and of membership in the family of God, where all believers are one in Christ. It robs you of your spiritual riches as an heir of the promise. Are you rejoicing now in the freedom you have in Christ? That's the bottom line. And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. September 18th, Galatians chapter 3, verse 23, through chapter 4, verse 31. Until faith in Christ was shown to us as the way of becoming right with God, we were guarded by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until we could put our faith in the coming Savior. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian and teacher to lead us until Christ came. So now, through faith in Christ, we are made right with God. But now that faith in Christ has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. So you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have been made like Him. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. For you are all Christians. You are one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And now all the promises God gave to him belong to you. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves great wealth for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were slaves to the spiritual powers of this world. But when the right time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent Him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so that He could adopt us as His very own children. And because you Gentiles have become His children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, and now you can call God your dear Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are His child, everything He has belongs to you. Before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that do not even exist. And now that you have found God, or should I say, now that God has found you, 
Why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual powers of this world? You're trying to find favor with God by what you do or don't do on certain days or months or seasons or years. I fear for you. I'm afraid that all my hard work for you is worth nothing. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things. For I become like you Gentiles were, free from the law. You did not mistreat me when I first preached to you. Surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought you the good news of Christ. But even though my sickness was revolting to you, you did not reject me and turn me away. No, you took me in and cared for me, as though I were an angel from God or even Christ Jesus himself. Where is that joyful spirit we felt together then? In those days, I know you would gladly have taken out your own eyes and given them to me if it had been possible. Have I now become your enemy, because I am telling you the truth? Those false teachers who are so anxious to win your favor are not doing it for your good. They are trying to shut you off from me so that you will pay more attention to them. Now it's wonderful if you are eager to do good, and especially when I am not with you. But, oh, my dear children, I feel as if I am going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. How I wish I were there with you right now, so that I could be more gentle with you. But at this distance, I frankly don't know what else to do. Listen to me, you who want to live under the law. Do you know what the law really says? The scriptures say that Abraham had two sons, one from his slave wife and one from his freeborn wife. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. Now these two women serve as an illustration of God's two covenants. Hagar, the slave wife, represents Mount Sinai, where people first became enslaved to the law. And now Jerusalem is just like Mount Sinai in Arabia, because she and her children live in slavery. But Sarah, the free woman, represents the heavenly Jerusalem, and she is our mother. That is what Isaiah meant when he prophesied. Rejoice, O childless woman! Break forth into loud and joyful song! Even though you never gave birth to a child, for the woman who could bear no children now has more than all the other women. And you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise, just like Isaac. And we who are born of the Holy Spirit are persecuted by those who want us to keep the law, just as Isaac, the child of promise, was persecuted by Ishmael, the son of the slave wife. But what do the scriptures say about that? Get rid of the slave and her son, for the son of the slave woman will not share the family inheritance with the free woman's son. So, dear brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, obligated to the law. We are children of the free woman, acceptable to God because of our faith. You could not overestimate the relational effects and devastation and destruction that can be wreaked upon by the tongue. 
It is either in the employment of the Spirit of God bringing about life, or it is in the employment of the flesh being fueled by the pit of hell to always and only spread death. We all stumble in many ways, but in many ways the beginning of the stumbling starts with our tongue in what we're speaking to ourselves or others with the words that rise from our heart. No one can control the tongue. No one can fix their own well until you've been profoundly, deeply affected and changed by the Word of God, Jesus Christ, in your deepest, most inner places. Then and only then is there a prayer that what comes out of your heart would be life-giving and not death-spreading. You don't have to live from the place of the word spoken to you by a father or an uncle or a mother that's just dripping toxic poison into your life. That word can get crushed. That word can be removed. That word can be replaced and redeemed by a new word, a better word, a beautiful word from the father himself about you through his word, Jesus Christ. You can have a new source of identity. You draw from and live from and speak from, and it's Jesus, the well of living water and not your own poison-filled water of your old heart. When the tongue is employed to the end of encouraging and blessing and speaking truth and pointing out evidences of grace in the life of other people and pointing people's attention to Jesus and meditating upon and speaking the word into your own mind and heart and over the lives of the people around you. When the tongue is employed toward that end, it brings life to all who hear it. The first step to taming the tongue is not biting off your words and trying harder. It's first sitting under and receiving a better word in your heart. Psalm 62, verses 1 through 12. Waiting on the Lord does not mean being idle or indifferent because sometimes waiting is harder than working. For your waiting to be meaningful and spiritually productive, do what David did. Number one, wait silently. This means not telling your trials to everybody who will listen or even telling them repeatedly to the Lord. When a child rests in the arms of the mother or father, there is no need to make noise. Much talk is sometimes evidence of little faith. Wait expectantly. God will work as you trust Him and let Him have His way. Your hope is not in human or material resources, but in the power of God. And then wait continually. You know, it's not easy to wait at all times, especially when you feel that God is not following your schedule. If your times are in His hands, you will have perfect peace as you wait for Him to work. Psalm 62, verses 1 through 12. For Jaduthan, the choir director, a psalm of David. I wait quietly before God, for my salvation comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. So many enemies against one man, all of them trying to kill me. To them, I'm just a broken-down wall or a tottering fence. 
They plan to topple me from my high position. They delight in telling lies about me. They are friendly to my face, but they curse me in their hearts. I wait quietly before God, for my hope is in Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, or I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. O、oh, my people, trust in Him at all times. Pour out your heart to Him, for God is our refuge. From the greatest to the lowliest, all are nothing in His sight. If you weigh them on the scales, they are lighter than a puff of air. Don't try to get rich by extortion or robbery. And if your wealth increases, don't make it the center of your life. God has spoken plainly, and I have heard it many times. Power, O、oh、God, belongs to you. Unfailing love, O、oh、Lord, is yours. Surely you judge all people according to what they have done. Proverbs 23, verses 19 through 21. My child, listen and be wise. Keep your heart on the right course. Do not carouse with drunkards and gluttons, for they are on their way to poverty. Too much sleep clothes a person with rags.